just so thankful that um, you brought us all here together. We, Gene said it right. We never know what this class is going to look like from week to week. And frankly, I think I've given up caring what it's going to look like from week to week and trusting in you and trusting that those individuals that uh, you bring together for any given week are designed and meant to be here. And Father God, you will take care of the rest. And so we just show up and we'll let you take care of the rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, thank you guys all for showing up. Um, We've been talking a lot in different sections of relational wellness, and this section that we've been talking about has been talking about what we call the pain and the potential. Basically, that any, any issue that we deal with, any circumstance that we deal with, has the potential of being super great, um, feeding into who we are, feeding into our identity, meeting our emotional needs, and just takes us on a path that therefore uh, we think more positive thoughts, um, we're um, more aligned with what God wants, and therefore we outflow more productive behaviors as well, healthy behaviors, I guess you should say, or the potential of taking us that negative route where our thoughts are kind of derailed and um, things just... Uh, we can either eternalize or, you know, we start throwing attitudes, that type of stuff, or we start getting digestive issues, whatever it may be. And um, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about fear, and I want to follow up um, real quick with a story um, uh, that Teresa and David, and Teresa and David Ferguson are the authors of the material that we've kind of been basing this material on, they, they do a program called, um, well, it's Great Commandment um, Network, and they deal with relational care all over the world, and the, the, the book that we deal with is, most is called Intimate Encounters, and it deals with meeting relational needs and understanding what relational needs are, and every single person in this world has relational needs. Um, during World War II, there were um, many, many children that actually died even though they got their physical needs met. They were orphaned infants, and there were so many of them, the only thing that the people that were taking care of them had time to do was shove a bottle in their face and change their diaper. They never got held. They never got relationally engaged and they didn't grow. So they had their physical needs met, but not their relational needs. And that really speaks to how much and how important relational needs are. And if we look at scripture, the God we serve is a relational God. You compare it to any other God, I say that in quotes, okay, um, in the world, none are in relationship. But Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is an intimate relationship. And his desire is for us to have relationship with him and us to have relationship with others in that order. And it's in our relationship with him that we can have the most healthy relationship with others. Um, but this, this story here um, is, again, another circumstance, kind of, of things that underlie. It says, at Teresa's family reunion several years ago, some of her brothers and sisters, their six children in all, began to talk about their growing up years. 
They talked about hand-me-down clothes and having very little money and how with several big brothers around, often there didn't seem to be enough food. There were some tough times growing up. And I noticed as they talked that several, including Teresa, used the same expression. As we were growing up, I was always concerned there would not be enough. They made comments like, I was afraid there wouldn't be enough clothes, afraid there wouldn't be enough money, afraid there wouldn't be enough time uh, to go around for us kids. As I heard their comments, I remember thinking, David, you remember the debates you have with Teresa about airports and time? And the airports and time where we have to get there early, we have to find a good parking spot, we have to, okay. Um, do you want to know what they're really about? It's not about the airports or time. It's about a fear inside of your wife. I fear there won't be enough parking places. I fear there won't be enough seats. I fear there won't be enough tickets. I fear there won't be enough luggage space. So the issue, David, isn't about airports or time or airplanes. It's about a fear inside your wife. The best argument or logic in the world will not displace fear. Only reassuring, sacrificial love does that. Okay. When you think of that story that I just read, any of it resonate with you guys? I mean, can you think of a time where something seemingly unrelated might be triggered by something in the past? Okay. Yeah, no one's like, I don't have any of that. Or... How many times have you gotten irritated with someone without fully realizing that there was something else completely behind that behavior? Right? right? I've done that. Yeah. So we become, and one of the things that I really like about David Ferguson, you know, we've seen a lot of him, we've seen a lot of his videos. We become so irritated with their behavior that we're neglecting to see the missing emotional need. When our heart should be breaking, that there's a need that's going unmet, we get all irritated because of their behavior, which is reflective of that unmet emotional need that, guess what? Maybe I'm the one, the one not meeting that need. Or we come so, become so focused on our own emotional needs yeah. that we, we focus on that rather than stepping back for a second and trying to look at the bigger picture. Um, perfect example, Ron travels a lot. So if Ron travels a lot, that means he's not in town a lot, which means that there's a lot of things that he misses. Um, oftentimes he's not around for Mother's Day. All right. My mother's dead. But. <laughs> his mother's not <laughs> All right. But, you know, I'm the mother of his children. Yeah. So sometimes it kind of is irritating that my husband's not there, you know, to celebrate. And like he wasn't in town when our granddaughter was born. And how angry were you? I was, aside from the fact that I was also ill. Yeah. Um, but I was very, you know, it's like, and again, he's not here. You know, he's not sharing this. Right? Um, how many of you can relate to that? Kind of, you know, looking at your own and getting a little bit irritated at their stuff. All right? Until I step back and I put myself in Ron's space 
And here, the family's having a gathering. And celebrating. And celebrating. And, and he can't be present. And I'm alone in my hotel room with no one I can share that with. Kind of makes your heart break at that mm -hmm. circumstance, you know? And all of a sudden, when I began to look at it from a different perspective, can both things be true? There's hurt mm -hmm. in both areas. Huh? Um, but when I began to realize that, do you know I actually went to Ron and apologized for how I felt and how I responded? Now, did I do anything wrong? I mean, I didn't call him names or anything else like that. I was just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm irritated. You never seem to be around. So it wasn't I called him names or anything else like that. But I didn't realize how much he was hurting. And when I realized how much he was hurting, I had to go to him and say, I'm sorry. I didn't realize how these situations impact you. And the things that I presented to you were all about me. Mm -hmm. And that didn't take care of your needs either. Right. And it breaks my heart that you had to be alone yeah. in those circumstances. And see, so we work through this whole process because the key is we can we can empty our cup, we can empty a lot of that angst that we feel if we are truly willing to step in the other person's shoes and try and understand where they're coming from. And, uh, you know, and, and I can, there's a clue that we don't do that. And here's the clue. How many of us have ever said, I'm sorry if? That's how our apologies start. I'm sorry if. I'm sorry if you feel that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When we say, I'm sorry if, then what we have done is we have refused to see it from their perspective. That's what our language is saying. I'm not going to see it from your perspective. I'm sorry if I irritated you. As if it's all Jean's fault that she got irritated with me. I'm sorry if you feel that way. What I've done is I've just negated every emotion that she has that has welled up inside of her. And I say, every single emotion is illegitimate. That's what I'm telling her right in that moment. I'm sorry if. We have to remember what's our purpose in life? What's our directive in life? What's the greatest commandment? This is church. Everyone knows this one. Loving God, loving people. Love the Lord your love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love myself first. Then I can love you. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's actually very important step. You have to have enough love for yourself to be able to recognize what love looks like. Um, but if we don't get God's love, it's very hard to even love ourselves in an accurate way. All right. So, I mean, there is a balance because there's so many people out there, people that we're working with, people that we're related to, that have so little love for themselves and have such a great mask on. I mean, what is that? That one depression commercial where they carry the, you know, the. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. You know, and well, 
how many times have we walked around with that mask on, even if we're not clinically depressed or anything else like that? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I know there's lots of situations where I've walked into and it's like, I really don't want to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, how do we get out of here? I just like, you know, oh my goodness, I have to talk to them again. Hi, how you doing, brother? I love you. Okay. Wow, that was just. Creepy, actually. <laughs> I, I don't do it all the time, but I'm going to, I mean, sometimes it has nothing to do with the other person. Sometimes it has everything to do with where I'm at, and, and they've done absolutely nothing, right? But because of my dysfunction at that moment, my mindset, my whatever you want to say, um, I walk into situations feeling and acting like that. And I am not alone. I know just about everyone in this room has had circumstances. Periodically, if it's a lifestyle, let's sit down and talk. Okay, if it's a lifestyle, let's sit down and talk because you need a lot of healing. All right, if it's a lifestyle. All right, um, but if it's periodic, I think it's normal. Everyone agree with that? Okay, thank you. <laughs> But as we were talking, I mean, it's important to be able to step into that other person's shoes and to truly have an appreciation. And uh, oftentimes, I, I still I still get far more angry than my heart should break. I get far more angry than my heart should break. That That's just the dynamic that's going on. Whether it's with Gene, whether it's with other individuals, I I still have to make a conscious effort. Lord, how are they feeling? Lord, what's going on? I, I was at a conference this week, and I, I I see this guy up there, and he's giving a presentation, and he's a former former FBI guy, and he's giving a presentation about a case, and all of a sudden he's up there. And he's flicking, I wonder if I should talk about this case or this case. And all these are high-profile cases that he's flying up there on a screen. And, and immediately, I'm thinking, there's so much pride in that individual. That, that's my first thought. There's so much pride. There's a negative thought, pride. And then, hear God talking, or, or maybe he was just never shown approval or appreciation. What is the need that is driving the behavior? If we can wrap our minds around that concept, this confession and forgiveness is going to be a lot easier. Because we don't look for the need, we're just looking at the behavior. And we get so irritated with the behavior that we're not looking for the need and trying to identify the need and minister to the need. And how this confession... Sorry. Sorry. I want to finish your thoughts because I want to ask a question. Um, how the confession of forgiveness goes in conjunction with this pain or potential, when we see someone with particular behavior or when we exhibit our own behaviors that are on the unhealthy side, the pain side of it, it's the confession that actually helps bring some healing. Yeah. And we'll go into that yeah. after we talk through. So my question was around the confession. Yeah. What about... What are some helpful things that we could do to face our own fear of confession? Because 
I know, for example, I said, you know, I had to talk to a, a co-worker mm -hmm. this time. And so there was some degree of shame okay. that was really, it appeared as shame in me, but it was really fear of, first of all, acknowledging to myself that my behavior was inappropriate. And then second of all, going to that person and tamping down that fear so that I could literally go to that person and say, I'm sorry that I behave in XYZ manner. Does, uh, and I'm going to ask this, can I ask a follow-up yes, question to everybody? Is one of the concerns that individuals have in this class is if I move forward in confession like that, is there a fear that is maybe preventing us from moving forward? Because there can be. Because if I confess something, I have an opportunity. I'm going to make myself open. I'm going to make myself vulnerable. I have the potential for getting all stomped on. And actually, I'm inviting them to just rail all over me. Potentially. Potentially. Hopefully not. But Hopefully not, but there there can be that fear. And in a co-worker situation, right, to have something they can hold over me. Yeah. Well, you they say, say that in a co-worker situation, but, but quite frankly, families are sometimes the worst. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? Families are sometimes the worst. Yeah. yeah. You know, whether it be a mother, child, father, child, oh. sibling, or husband, wife. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're the worst. Because I remember when you were a little kid, you always did, you know. Yeah, so how do we deal with that? Have I mentioned how important a relationship with the Lord is? <laughs> you know, it's... it's Just a tiny bit, huh? <laughs> to humble ourselves and to admit a vulnerability a fallacy in us. We did something wrong. We did not measure up. We, whatever. Um, it is, in a fleshly side, a very insecure place. Um, because it can <laughs> lead to someone walking all over you. It can lead to, or not walking, but yeah. spewing all <laughs> over you. Our relationship with the Lord, if our identity is in Him and we're walking things out as He desires, even if it will be rough, He carries us through. His Word says that all things work together for good for those who walk according to His way, my paraphrased version. And in that, that obedience of humbling yourself and going before someone, well, the investment, you got a lot of return on that type of investment. I mean, from my perspective, and please, if someone else has a different perspective, it can be a rough road. I said it last week, but God. But God. Walking through that step brings a strength, brings the potential for healing um, to a level that you're never going to get if you don't. 
And, and, and the millennialism. Okay, go ahead. And I agree, because that's why I think when you look at it as I'm doing this unto God, you know, the forgiveness or asking for forgiveness or whatever it is, it just says, you know what, I am forgiving this person because out of God's word, this is what I'm supposed to do and expect to do, and this is what I want to do. So whatever the consequences of me doing this, I obey God first. You know, it's not about how that person reacts to it or feels or how they see me. I'm more concerned about how God sees me. Yeah. And I think part of the answer, too, is learning how to ask God the right question. God, what direction do you want me to go in? How do you want me to do this? How do you want me to approach this? How do you want me to approach this? How many of us have actually asked God this question? God, how did you feel when that happened to me? How did you feel when I did that to someone else? How did you feel? We rarely ask God that question. But I think that's going to be key to this confession and forgiveness, key to overcoming that fear. Because if we come out of that, let's pretend we got just railed on. Let's pretend, let's, for sake of argument, say, you know what, when I did this, you know, I was wrong. And I know it hurt you. And yeah, you bet it hurt me. Okay, I just want to point out really quick. Elements of a confection, confession. Yeah. I did this. It's specific. Yeah. It identifies potential area of hurt in the other person. And it asks for forgiveness. Yeah. And there's going to be more to that. Let's pretend they just rail on me. And I just and refuse to forgive and, you. And refuse to forgive me. That is my that's my cue to go back into my time with God. God, I did everything you asked me to do. I did I followed according to your word. We we often ask God for a reason or an explanation something happened that way. When all we may need to hear is, God, how did you feel when that happened to me? Then you hear God's voice. It, it made me feel really sad. Because you moved, you humbled yourself, and you know you you got hurt, and it caused me to feel badly. It hurt me that that happened to you. God has feelings. You know, one of the reasons I we we work cleansing stream. You know, when people come to the line, one of the keys to healing, and this is what we've discovered, one of the keys to healing in an individual, is God. How did you feel when that happened to me? Because as soon as we can relate to a God whose heart breaks for us, the healing is, is, why do you think Jesus wept? People can't figure out why Jesus wept sometimes. Jesus wept because he wanted to touch Mary, Martha, Lazarus' relatives at an emotional level. Truth is truth, and I get that. Truth is Christ died on a cross for all that stuff. And at the same time, we have a God who can meet us at our deepest emotional hurt with emotion himself. The truth of the matter is, sometimes we have a hard time hearing God or receiving his emotion or his love for us, his actions toward us. And that's why each and every person in this room is so important because we are the glove on God's hand. We're 
we can make the physical contact and share the words and the action that Christ is showing us. But sometimes, sometimes it's hard for us to see the invisible and we need the visible. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know? So, I mean, when we're in, in relationship, you know, pastor talks a lot, you know, it's, it's, we don't have to go into the workplace and preach the Bible every day. We don't have to, you know, hey, you didn't do the Bible study this morning with me. We only prayed for two minutes. How come we're supposed to, we're, we agree that we're going to pray for 15 minutes a day. We only prayed for two minutes. Okay. See, all this stuff just gets me nervous. <laughs> okay. Well, no, I mean, but that's what we do is we look at we look at these things. We look at our, you know, well, if if I'm not if I'm not mentioning the Lord to five people during the day, then I'm falling short of where God wants me to be. Is it the words of the mouth or the attitude of the heart? Right. Mm -hmm. well. Because I know too many people where the words of the mouth are preaching God, right? But I don't know what that behavior is really exactly. preaching, you know. And I've been there too, you know. Um, anyway, side trail, funny trail. Well, it, uh, but it's important to touch people at that emotional level. And I, I will share even people that you see once a year or once every six months. All it takes is a simple question sometimes mm -hmm. to make that connection. There's a guy four years ago, he handed out at the conference I was at in Nashville, he had four or five years ago, he handed out, uh, you know, those rubber bracelets mm -hmm. uh, because his daughter was and still is suffering from some arthritic type disease. She's like 15, wow. right? And she suffers from this. Yeah. There is not a conference that goes by where one of the first questions out of my mouth is, is Travis, how's your daughter? Yeah. How's your daughter? What's going on with her? And he commented me the last time we, you know, we were talking in Nashville, he goes, you're the only one who still remembers. Aww. And you know, he shared with me updates on his daughter. How can I pray for you? How can I pray for your daughter? Mm -hmm. You know, that sort of connection, five minutes. And in five minutes, he walked away knowing somebody mattered, that they mattered. And he's going to have a lot of fun at the conference and all that other stuff, but he knows at that moment somebody really cares. And I think we are much more effective at doing that for people on the periphery than we are here. Yeah. Whether it be husband and wife, whether it be parent-child, Co-worker. Co-worker. I think we're much, it's easier for us to do that on a periphery than here. Well, they know my heart. They know where I'm coming from. So and it's allowed have, for me to. And you have no idea how much you irritate me. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Nobody knows what it's like. Right? <laughs> and she doesn't, by the way. <laughs> she doesn't. Well, she could very no, possibly. No, no, trust me, we do irritate each other. We, we do. do irritate each other. Okay, but not not to the degree that he's uh yeah, he's, not to he's the degree expressing I'm at the moment. Yeah. 
And so that's the key. So how do we deal with this? Confession, here's the first element of confession. Your heart really has to break for the other person. Yeah. Your heart really has to break for the other person. That's key. And if you're going into a confession time to get it over with out of obedience to God, mm. you know what? Just call it short. You know, just pull a, pull a plug on it for a second. And here's the first key to a good confession. All right, God. How did it make you feel when I did that to that person? All right. You know why very few of us ask that question? Because very few of us want that answer. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a scary question. Darn right, it's a scary question. But if we want the potential for ourselves and we want the potential for someone else, we have to ask that question. Because godly godly repentance brings, or godly sorrow brings about true repentance. Yeah. That's where godly sorrow starts, right there. Understanding God's heart. Under it could start like this, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay? It could start like this. Yeah. Okay. Whatever that looks like, it's godly sorrow. So our heart has to break the way God's heart broke when we, when we did that. And then be specific with, that's when we go up to the other person. And we're very specific. And we say, you know, when I did this, I was wrong. And then, here's an interesting, try and anticipate what need may have been hurt or wounded. Mm. You know, I, and, and, and we've talked about emotional yeah. needs, the need for acceptance, right. the need yeah. for approval, the need for appreciation, the need for security. The need for respect, um, for comfort, mm -hmm. for encouragement. Um, I always forget a couple. Yeah. Respect. Um, I said respect. Oh, you did? Okay. I said, respect is high on his, so that's why he put it on there twice. <laughs> Actually, um, it's not, but <laughs> I really don't care. Legitimately. Um, but it's it's trying to anticipate. So, you know, I'm... I, I'm sorry that I, I'm sorry that I did that. That was wrong of me, and I'm, and I suspect it may have hurt your sense of security, mm. or you may not have felt appreciated. And then uh, allow that to open up a dialogue. Allow and actually say no. Actually, it was just a whole lot about respect, and just entering into that dialogue being specific and being open and being vulnerable but it starts there there on the floor or there in a the chair and the the hard part is if you enter into that situation where the person is well yeah you were an idiot and i can't believe you did that and okay it's very natural then to try to go into defense mode right okay um that's the hardest part is to let them go off on whatever they're going to go off on and literally have it stop here to yep. not take right. it on yeah. i mean not literally put your hands up and say well whatever i'm done with this you know right. but when someone's railing off why are they railing off because they're hurt because they're hurt yeah. because they got stuff in their cup that's unhealed and hopefully you're asking for forgiveness that confession i did this wrong 
I can see where in what areas it hurt you, yeah. okay? We'll give them opportunity to be healed in that area, maybe at a later time, mm -hmm. maybe after multiple instances of coming and confessing and asking for forgiveness, because for some people, they're so hurt, they've never heard that, and they can't receive it. Mm -hmm. But the danger lies in, we're going to take it back on if they're railing at us. Uh -huh. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's being able to... I'm just trying to come up with an example. I don't know. We've practiced that pretty well for ourselves. Yeah. Um, civil war march. I mean, civil rights marches. Okay. Take it on the chin. It doesn't mean it doesn't change that the person has just railed. It doesn't change right. that you don't need to receive it. But it doesn't mean that I now descend and give another opportunity to my flesh mm. to act out of what God has called me to act. Yeah, and that's a really good way to put that. That's just, that's the only picture I can think of that maybe we have an idea of civil rights marches, people were being having fire hoses, I mean hoses, and yeah. all kinds of taunting and all mm -hmm. of that, and they kept resiliently focused on what their goal was. Right. We think of that as weakness, but is it really weakness? Well, it's, it's humility. You, but you said the key word. Continually focus on what our goal is. What's our goal? You know, Pastor was talking today, and he used this word a couple of times. What's your mission statement? You know, and we've mentioned it here. What's our mission statement? That every individual, every couple, should have a vision slash mission statement. Right. What are you known for? What do you want your? What has God called you to be as an individual and as a couple? Mm -hmm. And and yeah, we've got the generic. You know, well, He's called me to be a good Christian. He's called me to you know reach others. He's called me to disciple. What does that look like? Right. What does that look like? All right. I tell you, there's only 24 hours in my day. Right. All right. I cannot be an evangelist, a discipler, a uh, a servant, a you know prophet. A I mean, I can't be all things every single day, 24 hours a day, and still have clean clothes too. Right. <laughs> okay. Does he want us to be all those things? Absolutely. All right. For the most part, my perspective, my 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 experience is. For a season at least, which is why it's important to review your mission statement, God has called us with a particular focus. Some are called to be major evangelists. Right. Some are called to be major, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right, so when we're going through our day, we're called to be in relationships. Are we in relationships? To draw others to Christ, to grow people in their relationship with Christ, to grow closer to one another, to offer a compassionate heart. You know, what's our mission? Joe, you hold your hand. Yeah, and I agree with that. I, I, I think that um, when we are transformed, when we allow Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Lord to transform us, we get in the habit of living that lifestyle that makes us evangelists. You know, we don't we don't we don't do it intentionally, but we do it because we live a life that has been transformed. Right. So it happens out of a transformed 
a transformed life, um, uh, which is a process. Right. Right. Uh, the other thing, bless you. The other thing is. Um, I always go back to that that life that Christ lived. We talked about how people railed on us, who may rail on us, and uh, people may not accept what we're doing. Right? For me, I always have to go back to the life of Christ and think about how while we were yet sinners, we didn't want anything to do with him. He came and died for us. He was crucified without a cause. He was spit on. He was all these things, right? And um, scripture talks about for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, right? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about goals, Christ knew that his ultimate goal was not the cross, but the redemption of mankind. Amen. And so the whole time he was getting spit on, the whole time he was getting accused falsely, um, you know, he said that they said that he had insults hurled on him. Yeah. He didn't say a thing. So sometimes when we get insults hurled at us, it might be good that we don't say anything. Yeah. Right? But again, why did he take all that? Why did all that happen? Right? specific missions, but we all have the same mission. Yeah. Right? And so it behooves us to really get in touch with what that mission is, right? So that we can have, as the word says, the mind of Christ. Right. Because we have the mind of Christ, right? We pick up again on that mission of Christ, which is okay, I might be getting railed on this person. I might from a vulnerability standpoint. Yeah. Right. So if I go to somebody and I've been vulnerable with that person, that person just chopped me down. Yeah. <laughs> right. The first thing my flesh yeah. is going to say is I would have to be an idiot to go to this person and ever confess anything again to this person because I have a track record. Mm -hmm. It's one thing when I don't have a track record. Mm -hmm. It's another thing when I have a track record. Mm -hmm. Whether it's husband, wife, parent, I have a track record. So I can almost just about figure out where this is going to go <laughs> when, I, when I go there. Right. Right. But again, if we have that mission, right, and we're true to the mission, because we don't know, God is such an amazing God and does things with things that we don't even know. Like Ron was talking about his friend that he asked about how his daughter, right? That seems like such a little trivial, like what can that do, right? But we don't know what God is doing in that man's heart right. when Ron does that. Mm -hmm. Something that seems so insignificant. So the other thing we need to do is not look at those things that we think is insignificant. Because when we're doing those things that God, when we're obedient to do those things that God is calling us to do, he's doing tremendous things behind the work, behind the scenes, that we'll never even know about. Yeah. But because we were yeah. obedient to do them, yeah. right, we're planting the seeds that God uses mm -hmm. to change people, to grow people, yeah. to draw people to Him. 
Yeah. And and that and and that's what can be accomplished through confession. Because if we see confession as an opportunity to draw us closer to Christ for starters, and then draw other individuals closer to Christ as well, then we can overcome that fear, overcome the concern, overcome, you know, and, and I, I will I will admit, when God has told me to confess something and I didn't want to, sometimes I confess that out of obedience and nothing else. Right. Simply because God told me to. And I wasn't going to be left alone until I did. But there are other times when I move in that, that there's an opportunity for, because that's what Christ came for, reconciliation. He came to reconcile mankind to God. And so our mission, our mission has to be about reconciliation. Go ahead. You know, I think, like, for me personally, I struggle with, like, I have a job that every day I can get yelled at by somebody. But, like, mm-hmm. I recognize that, and I'm like, you know, I try my best to be like, you know, the right thing is the right thing, no matter what the outcome is. And I take it all in. And then, um, but when it comes to your family, who people who love, adore, and are closest to you, they tend to hurt you more because they can come with a confession or you can confess them, but yet the behaviors are never corrected. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything is still the same. So it seems like it's so much easier to be accepted as somebody else in the world than it is for somebody that's closest to you that can hurt you the most. Because yeah. they should know better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They should know better. You don't know everything else that's going on in everyone in, in the, mm. the other people's lives, but mm. people that you live with, mm. they should know better. Mm. They know my heart. We've had this discussion before. Why are they stomping on it? Exactly. Mm. Okay. Well, what's the answer to why are they stomping on it? That's my answer. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I, I mean, I, I think that there are cases where people don't care right uh, let's be real here there are pieces but but i don't think for the most part that really is the case no we're made god made us to be in relationship with one another so for those people that don't care what's in their makeup that got them to the point where they don't care what's in their cup that we never even saw because keep in mind, for many of us, when we enter into a relationship with someone, I mean, we've, uh, Brian and Victoria, we've known you for how many years now? About five. About five, right? <laughs> I am, I'll, I'll come clean, I'm 58. I lived, I lived 53 years and have 53 years of attitudes and everything else before they even came along that they, they're not even aware of. Right. Brian could say something to me that would poke me. And he's not even aware of, of why he's doing it. Right. I was raised with five brothers. I can do something to Brian that I would normally do to my brother that could that could injure Brian and wouldn't have bothered my brothers. Mm-hmm. So we all come with this history of coping and an emotional cup that we uh, none of our emotional cups are clean. Let's face it. Right. I've been married to this man coming on 36 years. Okay, we've been together for about 38 years. All right, it's more than way more than half my life. Yeah, it is way more, way more. All right, 
There's still so much that I don't know that, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we, we have a good relationship. We don't have a perfect relationship, but there are things that, there are certain patterns in certain areas that we keep going back to. And it's like, we should know better. Yeah. We should know better. Yeah. You know, on both sides, you know, he'll do it to me. I'll do it to him. We should know better. Yeah. All right. Yes, we do. We do know better. And we teach the tools. Yeah. <laughs> All right. To, to help us not do what we should know not to do. But sometimes we still find ourselves there. So what does that mean? I'm, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. because, And the reason why I'm not going to use that as an excuse is because we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are a spiritual formation. We are not human. We walk in a fleshly body. Okay? Yeah. But we don't carry those same attributes when we walk in Christ. Right. Okay? I know you were. I just helped you out a little. <laughs> okay? We don't walk in those attributes. So what do we do when that happens? It means that there's still areas that are unhealed. Yeah. There are still areas that that need to be brought up into the Christ likeness that God wants. And that's why this however many times we need to do it. If we stop at that godly sorrow, yeah. and we're not just going through the confession and forgiveness process, right. that godly sorrow, if our heart is continually breaking and truly breaking, that stops the pattern. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because there's nothing that stops a pattern of hurt more than God revealing that to us, revealing his broken heart to us, and allowing our heart to break that we broke God's heart yeah. now there, there is a danger here when I'm sitting here God reveals that you know it, it really hurt me that you did that when I asked God that question and then he says you know it, it really broke my heart that you did that yeah I'm just a no good person I could do that I could, uh, but that's that's going to break God's heart too. Yeah. When so, we respond, where I'm such an idiot because yeah. I keep doing this, or we have these thoughts, right? I can't believe I did it again. I'm such right. a jerk. Yeah. God, when are you, you know, when am I ever going to measure up? Yeah. Those are not thoughts that are in alignment with Christ's word, and that's why being in the word, being in fellowship, help transform. Because what God is trying to do in this moment where I'm asking God that question is he's trying to bring conviction, not condemnation. Renewing my mind. Renewing my mind. Renewing my heart. And identifying those areas in my life where I still have some work to do. And when my heart truly breaks, and again, we've talked about what does a bad confession look like? I'm sorry if. That's a bad confession. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry. That's even worse. That's even worse. Or, or, I'm sorry I didn't mean it. I, I want you. I want you to take. Don't do this. But imagine taking a bowling ball and go bam. Or not even bam, because that's purposely taking a bowling ball and just dropping it on your friend's foot. 
right. and crushing their toes. Mm. I, I didn't mean it. It hurt. Right. Guess what didn't go away? It hurt. Right. And it may have some lasting repercussions. Yeah. Like a broken foot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, that, but we don't understand that sometimes our simple little things, yeah. but not even our simple little things, that, that the individual, now, that the individual that we're dealing with has had a couple of bowling balls dropped on their foot, and their foot is now misshapen mm -hmm. because of that. Can God heal it and bring it back to its perfect shape? Absolutely. All right. But oftentimes, I mean, to use this analogy, if we're walking around with a broken foot and we've had brokenness, such severe brokenness in our past, it takes repeated comfort and sometimes adaptation yeah. to be able to walk in the wholeness that God wants us to. So we, and here's some great examples. Uh, I travel a lot. You know, I was gone for three weeks. This last time I was gone for three weeks. If, if Gene and I had scheduled a phone call, as an example, like at uh, 3.30 your time, because that's when you get off work. And it's 6.30 my time. And we agreed that we're going to have that phone call. But then I got sidewinded by somebody for a business-related reason, and I got involved in a conversation, and I couldn't take the call. Okay, I could say, you know, I, I'm sorry I wasn't available for our call, but. And I give the excuse. All right. Does that excuse take away from Gene's sense of importance, no. respect, or security? No. Because it's, it, it, is it a legitimate reason? It could be. And at the same time, that legitimate reason still impacted my wife. And I have to appreciate that. I have to take account of that. I have to take account of my actions. I really do. I have to take account of my actions. And it gets to the point where, you know what, I'm I'm going to have a phone call with my... I stepped away from dinner. Mm. I was at dinner with three friends, and I saw that Jean called, excuse me. And I got up and I left the conversation. Which brings it back to kind of your circumstance, you know. If, if he's consistently missing the phone dates and consistently saying... Well, I'm really sorry. I understand you're really important to me. But then the next day he misses it again. Yeah. And the next day he misses it, which is what you were addressing earlier. Yeah. Okay. Can I change his behavior? No. Mm -mm, I can't. When we're talking about confession and forgiveness, we're talking about our responsibility and what God has called us to do. When someone comes to us and they keep doing the same thing, they're confessing and asking for forgiveness and we forgive, it doesn't mean that there's not boundaries that maybe need to be laid, further discussions that need to be had, right. or um, other things that need to be done. Adjusted. Adjusted mm -hmm. in yeah. that circumstance. Exactly. Um, how we approach it can make a world of difference. Mm -hmm. You know, Ron, I really appreciate that you've said this, this, and this. Um, you know, I, I see that you can see how that hurts me. Um, at the same time, 
it's challenging for me because you've said this, mm-hmm. and I believe you really believe it, and yet the last three weeks it happened five times, mm. and I just feel really devalued, mm. and it also affects how secure I feel now because while you say one thing, your words show something different. Right. Or your actions, I should say, okay. say something different. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm in this place of insecurity now because I don't know if I can really trust okay. what you're saying. Okay. Right. Okay? And literally, with that tone, you're identifying. I'm not, you know, dude, <laughs> you keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. And I never see a change happen, all right? There's always some excuse or another, all right? I, I can't believe you anymore. Okay, we're going to pause. The first, the, the first way Jean did it was A. Mm-hmm. The second way was B. Mm-hmm. Which way do you think is much more effective? A. 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 How many of us have done B? Lee's sticking both feet up. Everything's going up. Okay. But this, this process, this process, again, I can't, I can't, I want Ron. I definitely want Ron and everyone else in my world, all right, to be able to come and confess and ask for forgiveness for all the stuff that gets dumped on me on a daily basis. But reality, it ain't going to happen. Right. Right. Okay? And I can't change them. I can't impact. The only thing I can do is model. Right. Model, seek God, ask God for his comfort, and trust that as this, as this takes place over time, we, at, at some point we have to trust God. We have to trust God with our heart, yeah. our heart, and we have to trust him with our hurt as well, mm-hmm. as well as our fears. Because it's the only way this is going to truly work. Yeah. Any relationship is going to truly work. Mm-hmm. We have to trust God. Okay. Questions, comments, or snide remarks? We want to be respectful of time. So. Joe, does this qualify as a question, comment, or snide remark? I just want to be clear. All right. All right. <laughs> and you guys, and what you were saying, one of the things that I would, I would pick up if I was a situation was what was what's going on in Ron, mm-hmm. right? To do to not do those things, right? Um, because I think that what you've been teaching the whole time through this course is, um, you know, I truly don't believe that people get to a point where they don't care. I think that they get to a point where they're so damaged, yeah. so hurt, yes. so wounded. Agree. And broken that what happens is they come with self-defense mechanisms. Yep. Right? Agree. So some of that is even a numbness. So you ask them how you feel. I don't care. Right. You know, I don't care about anything. I don't care about, you, I don't care about this. I don't care about anything. Well, that's not rea- that's not true. Right. right? Yeah. What's happening is that there's there's such deep woundedness that these walls have gone gone up. Yeah. And so, um, I think with that, when 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 we're asked to look at people with the compassion of Christ, right? 
that I first thought, again, as you're saying, you know, what does it mean behind the behavior? That that is something that we really practice within ourselves mm -hmm. so that our flesh doesn't mm -hmm. come up because naturally that happens. You know, if somebody jumps in your face or something like that, your flesh, without thinking about it, subconsciously, you know, hey, you don't talk to me like that. What's going right. on? The less practiced we are, our flesh jumps Exactly. In. So mm. we have to really be intentional and practice yes. about that. Yeah. The other thing that, that I think of and it really breaks my heart, because I had a conversation with a gentleman out in um, out in the lobby before I got here, which which really touched my heart, is that he's going to he's going to a new school to teach. And he's going into a school where on the outside, these kids look like very rough, very hard-nosed kids and nobody wants to deal with them. Mm -hmm. So he's just come from a school where the same outside perception is the same thing. Very rough, very urban, very hard-nosed, nobody wants to deal with these kids, these kids don't care. He went and he said he got more love from those kids Aww. than he got from kids that were in the good school. Yeah. Right? So what really broke my heart with that is also what we don't realize is how much home trauma these kids have had. Yeah. And so their self-protective mechanisms are, I'm gonna be the really hard guy around here. You're not gonna you're not gonna do this to me. You're not gonna get close to me because of what they have gone through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we start realizing things like that, can we now go out into the world and have a different perspective? Mm -hmm. When we're getting this kind of pushback from people, when we're getting this pushback coming at us, can we begin to start saying, there's a lot of deep trauma here, and Lord, what do I do? How do I love this person? How do I communicate with this person to help to, to help begin to break down yeah. the walls in this person? Yep. How do I become a healthy first responder? I yeah. think that when we begin to have that mindset, mm -hmm. we get to see some miracles start. Amen. I agree. Amen. I agree. Pastor Jason? I, I can't really relate, but I think the other, the other flip side of things, too, from a different perspective, um, not to contrast me, just Incorporated yeah. is First Corinthians 13 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, mm -hmm. hopes all things, and endures all things. And I think one thing that's interesting, and I was doing a, a study, there's actually a secular organization uh, that had a book that was written on part of it where they study what makes a, a healthy marriage a healthy marriage. And what they came to find out, they thought at first, oh, they're on the same page, you know exactly what all these things. What they came down to was they believed the healthiest marriage relationships were uh, based on believing the best in the other person, mm -hmm. even sometimes when there wasn't evidence uh, to, to that. Uh -huh. Yeah, that. agreed. And their, their premise was that these people, that love was a little bit blind because they chose to believe the best, even when sometimes it may not have been the case. Mm -hmm. And that and, unless there was over-surmounting evidence to the contrary, they believed the best. So the guys missing the phone call, they're like, oh, I'm sure he's, we're helping somebody or working on some project or doing something real important. I know he'll get back to me when he can because he cares about me and, and it'll be fine. Versus like, God, that sucker's always doing this, he's always picking stuff up, I'm sure he's off the bar, he's doing this or that, he's so-and-so flirting with this girl here. And, and literally they said it was, they, they would survey and it was the exact same situation in each relationship and one said, I'm going to believe the worst, the other said, I'm going to believe the best, and, and it made all the difference which way they chose. 
It was kind of interesting. Transformed by the renewing yeah, of your mind. Yeah. It was just very interesting. That was a secular study. It was my yeah. church study, but we yeah. see it in First Corinthians. And, you know, it believes all things and hopes. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's things that happen. We talk about it. You mentioned that you can't just ignore. We're not saying ignore it. Right. Mm-hmm. But even the mentality shift can make a monumentous change yeah. in the relationship mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. by just choosing that I'm going to do that until there's over-surmounting yeah. evidence to the contrary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. too, because with the phone call situation, are you really upset about the phone call or was it really about something else? You know, but and again, you know, in the course of eternity, in the course of eternity, in the course of what's our mission, right? To love one another, to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul, love our neighbor as ourselves. All three need consideration. Right. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm going to close in prayer in a second. One of the things I really like, I, I, let's consider the first the the first sin in the world, the first transgression. Mm. What was God's response? He asked Adam where he was. He didn't ask him what he did. Yeah. Right. He asked him where he was. And I'm convinced that he was, at that point, more concerned about Adam's response to what he did. Than what he actually, what he did had grave consequences. Let's not, let's not discount that. Right. But in that moment, God was saying, I am really concerned about what you're thinking about yourself and how you're feeling about yourself in this moment. Right. It's about the relationship. So, Adam, where are you? Yeah. Adam, where are you? Yeah. Yeah. Adam, where are you? Here. Where's your head at, dude? Where's your head at? Yeah, because God knew where he was. Right. And God also knew where his head was at. Right. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for this time together. You're a great God. And what I really, we, we, you, you have so many different facets. You're like a diamond. Every time you shift, there's a new facet that shows up. One of the things that we keep coming back to is you're a God who cares. You're a God who weeps. You're a God who mourns. You're a God who celebrates. And Lord, help us to be able to connect with you on that level of compassion and love and help that to change our hearts for those in our in our lives because uh as joe said we're we're convinced that nobody is in that point where they really 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 genuinely don't care but it's at the level of hurt and brokenness is is at that point where they have a difficult time with that so father god help us to enter into that brokenness the way you want to enter into that brokenness of other individuals. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys very much. See you.